0: We made this.
1: Hello and welcome to Don't Say the C-Word, the daily podcast during difficult times, where I talk to a different guest about a different topic every single day of the week, right here on the We Made This podcast network. My name's Mark and I am your host. Except it hasn't been a different guest for the last three days, because we're doing kind of like a trilogy of music that time forgot, where we both pick a different album that has shamefully low numbers on Spotify, and we talk about it for a bit. So welcome back,
0: Colin. Hello, Colin. Hello. How you doing? i'm all right it's been minutes it has is not even that <laughs> it's been literally seconds uh i th- i'm just just building up my record here of uh you know I've, I've been on pick a disc like four or five times so i thought i might as well uh you know be on as many different podcasts as i can lots of times
1: <laughs> nothing wrong with that i think i've got a similar ambition to be honest yeah. with you
0: <laughs> but i'm
1: going to quickly go through the arbitrary rules just in case people haven't listened to the previous two episodes if you enjoy this one definitely go back and listen to them because we've already looked at drop your weapon by medal and songs of praise by bully rag they were my two choices we've looked at retribution gospel choir by retribution gospel choir and 2020 sound by dark star which were colin's choices that's right so the rules are It has to be an artist with a fully commercially released album and they have to have less than a thousand plays on Spotify in the last month or a YouTube video that's averaging less than a thousand plays a month. Which equates to essentially less than three quid per month that these artists are making from these albums that were commercially released. The albums need to be by a band that are no longer together and the record itself has to be more than five years old. And my choice today, I'm still completely befuddled as to how it can have 40 listens in the last month on Spotify. Because it is a a kind of side project from The Prodigy. It is. <laughs> it's, it's Leroy from The Prodigy. After he left the band, and it was about the time that Maxim was doing his solo stuff as well, he became known as Flight Crank, and there's an album called Beyond All Reasonable Doubt. It was the only thing he released under that name. He's a big star, you know, he's a big popular DJ now, but this was his kind of solo artist thing. Yeah. And I bought it because it was a Prodigy side project, simply put. I bought anything that was even remotely related to the Prodigy because I fucking love them. (laughs) And it's nothing like The Prodigy.
0: <laughs> what did you think of the album then, Colin? There's there's elements that uh, you can see where they're coming from the same place as The Prodigy, but it's not massive beats or, or particularly danceable rave bits on there, is there? No. There are some bits on it that I really liked and other bits that I didn't like so much. It seemed as if... Leroy couldn't quite decide what he wanted to do, which is fine, but it seems in parts that he kind of thrown lots of different things on the album, and he he was like, "I'm going to put a record out. It's all me." Uh, did he? I, I I've got a feeling he played all, if not most, of the instruments on there. I
1: genuinely don't know. I didn't look that up. I probably should have done, but
0: <laughs> but it, it's um it's quite. Uh, there, there's bits of it that are, uh, again, quite dubby, trip-hop kind of sound on there. But then you've got some other bits where they're a little bit more conventional uh, songs where he's strumming an acoustic guitar, and I don't think those ones work. Mm. And then there's random reggae right at the very end as well, isn't there? Yeah, well, there's a, the, one of the tracks has got a uh, Lee Scratch Perry remix, which is, uh, you know, Lee Scratch Perry is a legendary dub producer. So, you know, he's obviously got the credibility to have been able to get Lee Scratch Perry on board to do that. And it is great, because Lee Scratch Perry is a fucking genius. Uh, he's an absolute, absolute lunatic. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. It's a prodigy side project featuring Lee Scratch Perry. No, I can see that, because there are... Um, well, I, I mean, going right back to uh, one of the f- really early Prodigy tracks, "Out of Space," the track that the that entire song is built around, uh, "Chase the Devil" by Max Romeo, is a song produced by Lee Scratch Perry. Oh, okay. So they were obviously mates. Well, not not necessarily that they're mates. Um, Lee Scratch Perry was a. I mean, that was put out in the seventies. And then they wouldn't have known him when they sampled it, but he will have got a fair bit of royalties from it because Outer Space was a much bigger hit than Chase the Devil was. Right. But, you know, it brought it to prominence. That's why people know Chase the Devil. Um, I I prefer it to uh, to Outer Space. My, my favourite Prodigy stuff is later on. I'm not much into the experience stuff. It's um, Jilted Generation, in fact, The Land are the, the ones I really like. But um, you can't argue with lyrics like, I'm going to put on an iron shirt and chase the devil out of earth. That's a great lyric. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, Leroy, he's kind of the forgotten member of the Prodigy, isn't he? Because he was still with them when they were having all the really big hits. But if you ask people to name members of the prodigy first one they're going to think of is obviously keith flint then yep. they're probably going to think of maxim next i think that's probably fair too and then liam howlett because obviously he is the guy that does all, all the music so leroy even though he's like the tallest man in the universe he's i feel a bit sorry for him he's been a bit forgotten bit left out, you know well he never he never actually contributed
1: anything other than dancing to the prodigy, whereas Keith, who started as a dancer, then became a
0: vocalist, you know, whereas leroy never did he he did some keyboards, apparently, but uh i don't I don't know where if that was just live or i I would guess that that was probably that he did some keyboard live when they had a bit more of a full band on stage with like gizbutt on guitar mm. and that kind of thing, yeah, yeah. His vocals, um, I wouldn't say is an amazing vocalist, but they're fine. Um, they remind me of um, Kelly Akareke from Block Party. He's got a really, really similar tone, and I, I do really like how he's got he's singing in his own accent. He's it's he's, uh, he's very sort of English his his vocal style. Yeah. Whereas a lot of similar kind of of songs, it would be much more Americanized vocals where he's, he's avoided that. Uh, I think the closest comparison I can think of to the tracks that I liked on the album were they. Uh, I was getting major, like, tricky vibes from it. And there's some fucking great synth sounds on there. What songs did you like, then? Now, when I was listening, I was walking around, so I wasn't paying much attention to the song titles. But if I have a quick look, I know it was the first couple I, I liked the most. Bright Lights and Amazing... Yeah, Amazing is a brilliant single. Yes, I think it
1: was released as a single as well. And it's that song is so vivid in my memory. The rest of the album less so, but that song is so vivid in my memory because that was the song that I would always play when I'd met a new guy. Right, okay, yeah. I'm such a sad, pathetic queen. Or at least I was <laughs> in my 20s. And... um but it was it was my happy, happy go-to song. I've met a new bloke thing. And it still makes me smile to this day, that fucking
0: song. Well, that, that's what it's about. I can definitely see that, you know, bringing back that kind of uh, memories and that, that kind of thoughts for you, definitely. That makes sense. Mm.
1: <laughs> I think the rest of the album, though, is, and this is a horrible word, but it, I'd describe it as backgroundy. There's nothing particularly bad at all on the album, but there isn't much that stands out as good.
0: There are a couple of bits that I would describe as bad, and that's the guitars. There's, um, He's do- he's put some really weird effects on the acoustic guitars, which doesn't do them any favours at all. If you just left the... Um, I, I, I reckon what he was trying to do was like, I think he's sat there and he's written those songs on an acoustic guitar and he thought it sta- sounded too conventional. And he basically thought, I want to fuck it up a bit. So I'm going to put it through this weird bit crushing processor with a bit of like sort of synth sound through the acoustic and it doesn't work.
1: Mm. I mean, I think you're better at spotting nuances like that than I am it's not something I spotted but perhaps on a second on another listen I would now spot that how you having said it but I do feel this this is one of those albums and again my memory might be wrong but a lot of albums in the 90s tended to start with bangers and fade into crap. Oh, yeah. With sometimes the exception
0: being around track seven or eight. You used to get... Um, that there was a massive phenomenon for ages. It, I think it still happens in some circumstances, but with albums front-loading the singles. So a really good example is um, Hot Fuss by The Killers. Uh, first four tracks are the really big singles. Um, you got got... Um, Jenny was a friend of mine, which was a promo single, um, Mr. Brightside, and somebody told me, all right at the start of the album, and then it kind of tails off towards the end, and you used to get that, and I think it was mostly record company driven, because I think it was um, the, the executives going, you you need to put your most popular songs at the start, people aren't going to bother listening later on so much, so it doesn't matter what you put on there as much, but I, I do like it when a band puts proper thought into how they're going to sequence the album it's cuz it's an art it's like it's like when you put a mixtape together um you've got to make make sure it flows you've got to have a proper beginning middle end I, with an album i always prefer it if they've got distinct side one and two so you've got a track that ends side one that is like a sort of cliffhangery kind of sound if that makes any sense to anyone other than me, <laughs> no, that makes perfect sense. I think I
1: think records since CDs became more prominent have lost the end of side one, start of side two, almost
0: um, formulaic style. Well, there, there was a, the, the really good example that I've got fairly fresh in my mind because we did a we did music episode about it the other day. There is uh, the first Garbage record. Both tracks, uh, both sides. Because I used to have it on on cassette, so I I always think of it in, in sides. So you've got a uh, opening track, which is is grabs your attention. It's a it's not one of the singles usually, but then you go into your big singles. Then you've got a um, sort of darker trip hoppy type track. Then you've got a big pop song, then you've got a very slow, dark trip-hop track at the end of the side, and both sides of the album follow the exact same pattern, and it works brilliantly. Oh, that's nice. And you've that's a, a band where three-quarters of the band were studio engineers or producers, so they knew what they were doing with it, and it, it, in some ways people could see it as contrived, but it makes the album flow absolutely perfectly. And, yeah, I, I, I think probably that that Leroy, when he was working on this record, was a bit more, these are the songs I've got, I'm going to put all of them on here. Because it's, it's a bit longer than it needs to be. It, it, you know, if you'd taken the, the few guitar-led songs off there, it'd be a better record overall, it'd flow better, and uh, it wouldn't have the horrible guitar sounds that annoy me. There was one
1: track that I did think that I didn't like, and that was um, Sir Green-A-Lot, and it it sounded like someone had got new software.
0: (laughs) It probably had at the time. Yeah. (laughs) Again, I can't remember the song titles of most of it, but the, uh, the, the first track, the synths on it sound fucking fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a lot to like in this album, but going back to it with more critical eyes in my 40s, it is one of those albums now where you would just pick the strong songs and add them to a playlist rather than playing the whole album from start to finish, I think.
0: And I don't think that there are any songs on it as good as "Carmen Queasy by Maxim on his solo record, which was a brilliant single. That was the one with um, Skin.
1: I... I might put amazing up there with with Carmen Queasy, but again, due to
0: sentimental value more than perhaps critical value. That's all it needs. If, If you've got the song that particularly means something to you, that song has done its job. I can't imagine a songwriter that wouldn't be happy with that. Have you even heard of Flight Crank up until this point? I didn't think I had, and then when I looked into it a little bit more and thought about it, I do vaguely remember at the time um some a bit of coverage in the enemy i i don't think i remember any interviews or anything with leroy at the time but i think i remember there being sort of news articles that um since leroy's left the prodigy this is what he's doing next and he's got this album coming out soon but i don't remember much Mm. more than that
1: and what's your opinion now do you think you'll do you think
0: you'll go back to this record at all i think odd tracks i might I think the, the first couple of tracks um, are probably worth worth another listen, definitely. But overall, I probably wouldn't stick the full the full album on. Sorry, Leroy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right, shall we move on to your choice? What did you pick for this one?
0: I picked the uh, ridiculously titled Hurrah, Another Year, Surely This One Will Be Better Than The Last, The Inexorable March of Progress Will Lead Us All to Happiness by Youth Movie Soundtrack Strategies. Of course you did.
1: <laughs> this was on Spotify as hurrah, another year, dot, dot, dot. So
0: I didn't even know that it was called that. Lazy bastards. They just couldn't be bothered to type. Uh, it's also the Spotify version's got two tracks that weren't on the version that, that I knew. So I ignored the last two. Oh, okay. So, the, so wait... It only had six yeah. tracks on it anyway. It's, a, it's an EP. It's supposed to be half an hour long, but they put uh, there's a remix of Spooks the Horse, and there was a later single called Oars that they tagged on there for the re-release. The, so the first issue of, of this EP, the packaging was a piece of corrugated brown cardboard that they just cut out of a box, cut off a box, folded in half... With a, um, you know, those split pins that you used to make things that you could rotate round. Yeah, uh, yeah, just a split pin stuck in there to hold the CD on, um, and then a, a paper um, band sort of thing around it to hold the two sides of the cardboard together with the uh, the track. Good grief! On. Yeah, I so this this band I saw supporting. There's a band called Hope of the States. I absolutely loved um, and I went to see them. So it was about 2002, 3, 4 ish. And I went to see Hope of the States, were one of the first bands that I went to see as many times as possible on a tour. So I saw them, I think, three times on this one particular tour. And Youth Movie Soundtrack Strategies were the support band. So I got to see them three times, and then I also saw them at Truck Festival in 2004, and at their own gig in Nottingham. Somewhere in between, then as well. And it's it, it, the best sort of description for their sound is math rock. So it's it's sort of sort of proggy hardcore post rock sort of thing. With uh, there's lots of time changes and. Uh, Stabby bits of guitars, but it's not metal at all. So it's not like um, Dillinger Escape Plan or, uh, or or that kind of thing. It's um, it's definitely coming from a more indie side.
1: Yeah, I think rock is. I think just rock, which I know is a horribly generic term, but rock.
0: I think rock covers it. Yeah, well, I, I think it needs more of the the prog descriptor in there because it, it, it's not going to appeal to somebody that only likes. Status quo and ACDC who are also rock. Nobody nobody really likes status quo, surely. Yeah, people's dads sometimes.
1: Mine doesn't particularly, but <laughs> no. my dad likes the levellers, so, you know.
0: <laughs> as does mine, as we discussed the other week. So it was an EP
1: and it was yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm just gonna drop this on you. The the two tracks that I like the most Turns out they weren't on your EP.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. I thought that was going to happen.
1: <laughs> Sorry. No, that's fine. I did, I mean, I felt this was a record that was quite raw, and then maybe those two tracks were a little, more, a little bit more produced. So maybe that's why I went for that. It, it reminded me not quite so much in the sound of the vocalist, but it reminded me its rawness of early
0: Idlewild. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Similar kind of, yeah, rawness is probably the best word to, to describe that, as I think. Mm. And the, the other big note that I put was, um I really hope the singer
1: plays an instrument, otherwise he's going to get fucking bored.
0: <laughs> yeah, he does, he's a guitarist
1: as well. Right, because th- this started with such an amount of music before the vocals came in, that I thought you'd given me a band that, didn't have vocals and then when the vocals kicked in after about three maybe maybe even four minutes i was like oh fucking hell there are some vocals after all i could have easily done that there's a lot of bands i do like with no vocals <laughs> <laughs> and and i thought that was really brave i think a band that's weirdy rather than rocky i'm, I'm not as good <laughs> as, I'm, I'm just not as articulate about music as you are but there are other types of genre that would have got away with that, whereas I think it was quite ballsy with a rock track to wait that long. It almost felt a little bit like a wrestling theme. Uh-huh. The, the, the music didn't have vocals, but it was rocky. Does that make any sense at all?
0: Uh Yeah, I mean, my knowledge of wrestling is less than your knowledge of music. So... Right. For me when I think of wrestling themes, I think of WrestleMania the album. Right, okay. Good. <laughs> you know, like Slam Jam and that kind of thing. So I'm a little out of date. Yeah, there. I remember Slam Jam. <laughs> but there is a wrestling connection with the band, Zack Sabre Jr, who is a British wrestler who you know. Oh, he's a Yeah, he's um he's a hell of a wrestler. I he's yeah.
1: wonderful to watch. I've worked on quite a few shows with him. But I'll shake his hand, I'll say hello. But we're not close. But I I do know, Zach, how
0: how in the world is he linked to this band? Well, I believe he's a fan because one of his signature moves is called Hurrah, another year, surely this one will be better than the last year. Next run, March of Progress will lead us all to happiness.
1: (laughs) That does sound like Zach.
0: As a (laughs) wrestling commentator, when he uses that move... Do you guys have to say that that's what he's done? If I'd spoken to
1: Zach before the show, and if he told me that that was the name of the move, I'd have written it down,
0: and sure as fuck I'd have shouted that out when he hit it. Damn right. Amazing. I would uh, go as far as saying he's probably... chosen that particular title to fuck with you like then (laughs) again not not beyond the realms
1: of imagination when it comes to zach (laughs) i I like him already that's excellent (laughs) yeah he's a good guy he's a good guy he's he works mostly in japan now so not only would um they have to like say this massive sentence they probably have to translate it into japanese now
0: (laughs) brilliant yeah, I, I with youth movie soundtrack strategies. They were responsible. Well, he was the victim of um, the best heckle I have ever heard at a gig. Uh, one of the, I think it was the Hope of the States gig in Leicester, uh, Leic- Leicester Princess Charlotte. The singer of Youth Movie Soundtrack Strategy, singer and guitarist, looks really young, or he did then. It's like eighteen years later. He might look old now, but. But yeah, he was. I think he was clearly probably in his early 20s, but had a sort of baby face and looked really, really young. And then they were playing this song, and as soon as they finished the song and it went slightly quieter, somebody out of the audience just went, Can you get served? (laughs) Which. uh, Wow. Is the best heckle (laughs) I have ever heard. Absolutely amazing. Love it. Yeah, they're. they're, uh, They. Changed their name to Youth Movies later on, and I think they went a little bit more conventional. So you might like some of the later stuff a little bit more. Uh, I didn't really right. keep up with it after this this EP. There was we we were in talks at the time, not long after this came out, for my old band um, Lando Calrissian, who was sort of similar kind of sound. We we weren't quite as erratic and and you know we didn't have as many time signature changes. We were a, a little bit more. Drony sort of space rock kind of sound right we were in a little bit of talks to support them on some of their dates they were doing a co-headlining tour with red jets that would have been amazing it, it unfortunately didn't uh didn't happen in the end but uh yeah we were trying to get that arranged and there was a an incident where we were at uh, we were at truck festival in oxford me and our bass player were talking to um it was their Synth player and uh, there was one of the guys played synth and trumpet and their drummer and it was right. it was really late at night it was after all the the main stages had finished and there were just sort of various DJs around and there was just we were, we were sort of standing in this bit in between the main arena and the campsite and it was lit by these um, bulbs that really slowly changed colours and uh, we were standing there having a conversation with him and. The drummer suddenly started freaking out because the colour had changed, and he wasn't sure if that meant his drugs had kicked in or not. <laughs> but uh, we had to we had to reassure him that no, the, the lights did change. it is green now, even though it was pink a minute ago. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, nice uh, nice guys. But uh, I, I believe uh, that may have. Um, not helped with uh, with the touring later on if his uh, chemical consumption got uh, got too high. <laughs>
1: yeah, that does sound like there's a lot of there's a lot of bands that really could have been so much better, yeah. and so much more popular and so much more probably even pushed by their labels, yeah. if it wasn't for issues like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, they, they were never on a um, I don't think they were ever on a biggish label, so they wouldn't have had much capability to push them much and to be honest with the style of music that they're playing they're never going to be getting top 40 hit singles or anything
1: no i, I, I don't want to be too mean but the length of the songs at least to me felt a little bit self-indulgent rather than important <laughs> as part of the songs i thought they could have been truncated and been as good <laughs> another one that believes in the lay them limit <laughs> well I'm not, I'm not sure i'm gonna go and, and fully agree with matt latham he doesn't worship the prodigy so i can't like him <laughs> but um yeah i know th- i know of the latham limit and I, in this case i think it's not completely necessary but it could have been more commercially successful if
0: they'd done that <laughs> me, I don't, they're not going for commercial success though were they no clearly not me, me and ian are both um trying to find the longest songs possible that we can take for a future Pick a Disc episode. So I'm thinking about Dope Smoker by Sleep. It's an album which is one song that's 64 minutes long, I think. (laughs) You're vile. Poor Matt. (laughs) It's ace. (laughs)
1: So, hurrah another year by Youth Movie Soundtrack Strategies. Is it as good as you remember it?
0: It is. It is. I've not listened to it for absolutely ages. And when I've put it on the last couple of days, I've loved every single note of it. It's been fucking great. And I'm going to carry on listening to it loads more.
1: For me, it was fascinating. And mm-hmm. I, I I had problems with a lot of it, but there were a couple of songs, and unfortunately they're the ones that weren't originally on the EP, but there were a couple of songs that I do think I'll be adding to like playlists that... I really really enjoyed and it was it was a fun record
0: and i'm glad that i gave it a chance cool that's, that's the best you know it's it's not going to be for everyone you know no, nobody's gonna you know it, it, it's not going to appeal to people that don't have a predilection for long songs with lots of time signature changes and jagged uh bits sticking out all over the place and you know jagged yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, Jagged. Yeah, but if you do dig that kind of thing, give it a listen, because it's ace.
1: <laughs> well, Colin, it's been so much fun these last three days, doing a kind of like three-part special of music that time forgot. And I hope that people have enjoyed this kind of mini music that time has forgot trilogy. <laughs> and, well, who knows how long this lockdown's going to last. We could do some more maybe at another point yeah
0: maybe if other people want to do them could get other people to do similar kind of things as well yeah
1: colin it's been ace thank you for coming on again no problem mark anytime mate thank you for listening to don't say the c-word i'll be back tomorrow with another guest and another topic and i'll see you then Don't Say the C Word is a podcast by me, Mark Adams. My Twitter handle is at MarkAdamsHC. The handle for the show is at Don't Say the C Pod. And we are part of the We Made This Network. That's at We Made This Pod. Thank you for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.
0: Previously on the We Made This Network.
1: Don't say the c-word. The Spawn soundtrack. Apparently there was a there was a, a massive bust-up between the sneaker pimps and Marilyn Manson because there was because they were supposed to like do this track together and essentially Marilyn Manson was like fuck that and just used them as backing singers and
0: they got the ump basically yeah there's, there's there's two different versions um it's uh long hard road out of hell that's this right, is a track. track and i think there were two different it was either taken off later on or there were two different mixes of it and uh, sneaker pimps weren't happy with the original mix um but yeah i remember reading about this in in kerrang loads at the time because there was a lot of hype building up to when that album came out
1: it was a superb album it was very special yeah
0: Observing the pattern, a fringe podcast. It is. Yeah. A, it's one of those things I, I quite like seeing little moments like that. Because I'm I working IT, yeah, I, I don't true. have moments like that at work ever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Other than you, you might have missed that. Exactly. It's, it's now destroyed the system. It's <laughs> it's rarely um, life threatening when, <laughs> when I do no, that. But, but um, yeah, but, but again, there's also a case that these an old case. It's a case that they've kind of failed to crack. You know, yeah. They've, they've had... Bit-
0: the Movie Palace.
1: Um, let's distract ourselves then by talking about uh, Rear Window, this great film. Um, let's start with personal history of the film. I understand this is a film you've seen many, many times. Is that correct? That's correct. You know, it may tie with It's Wonderful Life for the m- film I've seen the most times. I haven't actually kept count but yeah. i i grew up watching it rear window over and over and over on vhs that i had recorded you know from the tv <laughs> my crappy yeah.
0: vhs so yeah this is a definitely a personal favorite i just thought, i just I, I think to me it's a perfect movie check out all of these shows and more on the we made this podcast network